Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Garth Ball. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Pastor Phil and Julie have covered some fantastic things so far on spiritual growth, about the need for spiritual growth, um, about the, the, the need for us to want change in our world, uh, which is also you know, one of the key things. And this morning, I just want to take a little different approach. I always think that you need to share on something that has been real in your life, and this is something that's been real in my life. So why don't you turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. Verses 12 to 14. I'm not going to linger in this passage. just want to use this to set the scene. Uh, incredible scripture on spiritual growth and different stages of a believer's walks. As Pastor Phil has been saying, that it's not about the natural age of someone, but the spiritual age and maturity of someone. That you could be 90 years old and a spiritual infant, uh, or you could be you know, 15 years old and maybe not quite... Um, you know too far down the track, but a little bit along the track. Um, And I think this passage just sums up a few of those stages. It says this, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Now, I like it that, you know, the children, uh, if you look at this in, as spiritual maturity, the children, what, do they, what, what, what makes a, a child in Christ? Well, they know their sins have been forgiven on account of his name, and then goes down, it says, uh, you know the Father, which is cool. You know, you know God, you, your sins have been forgiven, maybe you've come out here and you've gone, yep, i want to accept Jesus. I believe he's there. I believe he can forgive me of my sins. And that's all you really need to know. It's by grace we've been saved uh, through faith, not by works. It's a gift of God. So, you know, all that great stuff. And so we enter into our new life. We're born again. We're regenerated. We come alive on the inside and the spirit of God dwells on us and we enter into our new life as a Christian. Go down the other end of the scale and we have fathers who it says, uh, I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. And I just feel like that phrase speaks of a real journey, the journey of life from just meeting Christ and, and, and you know, having your sins forgiven to going through the stage of a young man or young woman and into uh, the stage of a father, someone who's done this journey of life with God. They've done the long haul. They've gone through the ups. They've gone through the downs. They've stood firm. They've overcome a whole bunch of things. And that's fantastic as well. But the one that I want to focus on today is the, the young man or the young woman, the young person stage. And I think that's powerful that it says, I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Isn't that amazing? Um, you know, if coming out of a place of just coming to meet Christ into a place where you're f- securely you know, founded upon your relationship with him and you're not going anywhere, you've drawn a line in the sand, 
you've you know, burnt your boats, you're not going back, you're, you're on. Do you know what it, that takes? It takes some victories. You know, I, I find it interesting to watch people. I, I was hanging out with someone at ministry trip uh, who had been a Christian for two, two years. And I said, how did you go getting past your honeymoon stage as a Christian and lasting and getting established after two years? And, you know, I find that a very interesting thing because you find people come in as children and then maybe get taken out. But to go into a place of being a young man or a young woman in the faith, it takes some victories. And it's going to take some courage and some strength. That's why it says you are strong. You've come here. You're here now because you're strong. The Word of God is going to be a big factor in that. And you've overcome the evil one. I'll tell you what, I don't know whether it's going to be you know, things that you inherit or things that you develop on the inside of you just because of the fallen world that we are in. But there's going to be things on the inside of you that you need to overcome and that you need victory in if you're going to last a distance and progress into these stages um, as a mature Christian. And Pastor Phil's been talking a lot over the past few weeks about, you know, just this daily walk, like the, almost like in some ways the little victories, you know, this daily growth, this get your you version, you know, devotion and just walk with God and grow and feed yourself and get raised up in the Lord. And that's, you know, incredible stuff to be doing. I guess one of my uh, revelations and the key things in my world are like the big deal things. Uh, the things that, that, that you experience as a child in God, the opposition that you have and the things that take a significant work of God in your life to get victory over and to be transformed in. That, as I said before, takes courage and that's why I think a whole bunch of people don't confront a few things on the inside of them because it takes courage. It takes a little bit of, oh man, like, you know, God touching a bit of something that's bruised on the inside and we all know what it's like when we've poked our brother or sister, you know, on their bruise just for fun. Like, it hurts, right? And it's a little bit of pain involved and so people try and go, oh, you know what, I think I'm just happy to stay here. Jesus forgiven me of my sins. I know the Father. That's fantastic. But... There is more for us if we have the courage to go, okay, God, uh, you know, let's, let's do this. And so, you know, these sort of things in our world will be different for all of us right now. And, um, and, you know, you might even think of them as strongholds. For me, I've sort of shared a little bit about fear as being one of those in my life that I had to go on a massive journey of a, a daily walk and a grind, but a long journey of gaining significant victory over it. I could have stayed in it my whole life, but if I had of then it would have had a significant effect on my happiness and also my fruitfulness for God. And ultimately, that is what God wants to do when he's transforming us. He's, he's shifting our quality of life, but he's shifting our fruitfulness of life as well so that we're not just going to, you know, kids can do so much, but they can't do something that a fully grown person can do, right? You need someone that, that is experienced, that's stronger, that's got some things under their belt to bear some significant fruitfulness for God. Um, and let me just say straight up that there are people who would criticize this type of thought. They would say that looking inwardly at yourself, uh, navel-gazing, maybe just looking down, getting preoccupied with what's going on in the inside can take you out and cause you to be distracted and cause you to enter into unnecessary zones of self-examination. Um, and so I just want to tell you first up about four things that I think this shouldn't be for you. So, you know, I want to address those sort of, sort of those fears. When you go on a, a journey of transformation with God and you're winning some victories in your world and going to a new level of maturity in Him, uh, this is what it shouldn't be. It should not be something that brings condemnation to you. 
Um, you should not feel bad about the areas in your life that are requiring growth. It shouldn't affect your self-worth. There is no condemnation in Christ, and God does love you just the way you are. If you think that his opinion of you or your value in him changes because of these areas, then think again. You're going to make you more unhappy than before. Second thing it shouldn't be, it shouldn't drive you to a works-based approach with God. Um, if, there isn't, you know, if you do experience transformation in one area of your life, then you don't have any greater access to God than you did before. Uh, if you're still working on an area of your life, it doesn't mean you don't have as much access as if you had have that victory in your life. So it's not like differing levels of approach to God. We come to Him freely, as it says in Hebrews, by the blood of Christ, you know, with full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled and cleansed from a guilty conscience. So it shouldn't lead us to be you know, trying to please God by this transformation journey, this thing of you know, trying to become more like Him. Third thing, it should not cause you uh, to cease being fruitful for Him. Because if you wait until you're ready, you're going to live an unhappy and unfruitful life because you'll never ultimately be there. And so it's not like, well, once I sort myself out in this area, this thing's really affecting me. Once I sort that out, then you know, I'll be able to go and do some great things for God. Man, don't wait for that. Just jump in right now. Now is as good a time as any to start walking in the call of God, start doing the things that He's called you to do, and start you know, just... Just living out the dream that he's placed in your heart. And fourthly, it shouldn't be a restless striving towards perfection. And although, you know, the Bible says aim for perfection or maturity, uh, ultimately, as I said, you will not be perfect until you get to heaven. So this isn't a sprint race. This is a long-distance marathon that you're just going on a journey in life. There's little obstacles in the way that God can move so that your ruins can come to life. Uh, it's not something you need to race and be you know, agitated about and restless about. And go, Come on, I've got to sort this. Got to be gonna, da, da, da. Because I've experienced all four things of those. Um, so if you, cannot do the, if you cannot make it about those four things, then what you'll be left with is a beautiful journey of transformation. That it says in 2 Corinthians 3, 18, from glory to glory, from one degree of glory to another, just you're doing this journey of life walking along, enjoying it, yeah, going through some challenges and taking down some giants on the way, but ultimately, uh, you know, enjoying life and being transformed bit by bit. That being said, uh, I think the, the biblical el- el- uh, evidence is quite clear that there is a good, healthy, intrinsic look at yourself, self-examination, self-awareness, self-knowledge, whatever you want to call it, um, that we should have as we go on this journey. Um, we've got a couple of scriptures for you. The most popular when talking about this, Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Matthew 7, verse 1 to 5. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take, out, uh, take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so there's this thing of, you know, you know not just looking outwardly all the time and worrying about other people, because if you don't have the inward look, then it'll actually affect the outward relationships that you have in your world. So there's a healthy uh, looking at ourself um, that isn't about all the things I mentioned before about beating ourselves up and looking down on ourselves, but it's just an acknowledgement of, okay, cool, yeah, that's how things are right now. No worries. Let's 
you know, do something about that. And so this morning I want to look particularly at the moments in your life. Uh, I've had a bunch of these moments where you become aware of a weakness in your life. One of those big areas I'm speaking about, one of the things um, that you see as an area needing transformation in your world so that you can get victory and, and keep moving to levels of spiritual growth. Uh, I think the very beginning of having transformation is actually realizing that something is not quite right. And so there's, you know, reactions that you happen, happen in your world. I don't know if you've had any of those moments when, when you've done something, you've said something to someone, uh, you've acted in a way or reacted in a way where you just go, my goodness, what is that all about? Who was that? Was that the old man that just got resurrected then? Or, because that was not me. I, I, I didn't even know I had that in me. You know, like at the soccer yesterday and that linesman, everything's great until that linesman keeps his flag down for four offsides in a row. Like, linesman, you are kidding yourself. What's going on? Um, you know, or, or, you're, or you're driving and someone cuts you off and everything's peaceful. You've got Hillsong on or C3 music on, Bethel, and it's all good and someone cuts in. You're like, you, Clown, what are you doing? And then you keep singing the worship song. It's like, hold on, what's that? That doesn't make sense. Or, you know, maybe it's a bit more of a significant area in your world where you know, in your relationships or in your walk with God, you know, you realize, and there's this moment where you go, hold on, man, that's something is not quite right there. Um, That's the sort of moment that I want to talk to you about tonight. And I think it's healthy that we're aware of those moments, that we don't just brush them off, but we go, okay, what's that? And make the most of that opportunity, that realization, so that it can produce shift in our world. So let's turn to one, Sammy. We're going to look at the example of Saul with this this morning. And he was a guy that had one of these, well, he could have had one of these moments, but instead he persisted in his reaction and therefore did not see a shift happen in his world that needed to happen. And a whole bunch of negative things happened afterwards. So 1 Samuel 18, verse 6 to 9, Saul was the king. David was the up and coming guy. Uh, Saul would send David out to win a whole bunch of victories. It said he was winning victories all over the place. And he had one particular victory one time. And this is the, the account of what happened after that victory. It says in verse 6, When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. Lyres. Um, as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. So Saul had this reaction to a situation that was not a reaction that showed a good thing going on on the inside of his heart. He reacted in a way that he said, you know, the next verse said he tries to kill David the very next verse. So he made some quick progress on a downhill slide. It wasn't like a gradual thing. It was like, man, that made me angry. I think I'll throw spears at the guy and pin him to the wall. Um, that's pretty severe, right? And, 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 but we, you know, let's face it, we all encounter times when something rubs us on the inside. One version says that, that it galled him, which means like this, you know, this rubbing on the inside that just was like, man, and, and you know, you're human, you are in these sort of situations where that can happen. Um, and so, so based on Saul's example today, I'm going to give Saul some advice today. That might be a bit presumptuous, but uh, we're going to give it a go anyway. Uh, based on Saul's 
experience, I'm going to give you three uh, steps that you can put into place in any situation where you realize that something is not going right on the inside. Three, three steps that you can take that will get you from, hold on, something else is not going on well, to having significant victory in that area. Does that sound good to you? I hope so. Either way, you're going to hear them, so you may as well get happy about it right now. Um, so the first thing that I think that you need to do when you have one of these moments of realization is you need to humble yourself and choose transformation. Humble yourself and choose transformation. Um, you know, imagine if, if Saul had have, uh, looked at himself and gone, man, that's, that's a bad reaction. Let me go to God, draw, draw aside, draw near to God and just really get real and raw with him and say, God, I don't know what that was all about. Uh, I reacted in that way. That's obviously showing me that something not right going on the inside. Um, can you show me, God, what I need to shift in my world? And let me just say at this point, I'm talking to you. No, I'm not preaching to you today. This is like being in a connect group or something or we're sitting down having a coffee. I, I was tossing up whether to go this road, but this is something that I feel is so real in my world. So I thought I'd share it from the pulpit as well. But don't expect like a real preach at you. I'm, you know, walking you through something here. And so I think, you know, Saul could have um, done it. So you've got three options when you realize this. You can do one of three things. You can condemn. You can condemn yourself, like I was saying before. You can feel bad about yourself. You go, man, I'm such a sinner. I'm terrible. Man, I can't believe I reacted in that way. I'm supposed to be a Christian. I've been a Christian for so long now, but yet I'm still doing silly things like this. I can't believe it. Um, but that is the complete opposite of the cross. Uh, the Bible is about being righteous consciousness, not sin conscious. It's not about knowing that you're a terrible sinner. It's about knowing who has saved you and what he can do in your world. And so it's not about condemning yourself. The second option you have is you can condone what was going on. Um, you can go, okay, you know what? I'm still a working progress. It's all good. Um, you know, one day something might magically shift in my heart without me knowing and God will just change me into a new person. It's okay. No one's perfect. Let's condone what's going on. That's your second option. That one's not good at all because I hate to tell you, but God doesn't just take control of your mind, your heart, you know, your whole being. He puts his spirit on the inside, which gives you the power to be transformed, but he doesn't do it without your permission. The third option is, I think, the way to go. God doesn't make you aware of these things to condemn you or condone what you're doing, but to change what's going on on the inside. Um, let me illustrate with... Uh, what we were talking about a few weeks ago about being, metal being refined. Not going to stay here too long, but uh, you remember me a few weeks ago talked about um, the refiner and you know, putting heat on, on the metal until you, you can see the reflection. One thing I didn't talk about is the dross. Now, the dross is the impurities when the metal is heated uh, and the impurities float to the top so they can be removed and you're left with something pure. That's what's going on when you have one of those moments. You're not a terrible sinner. You're not like the biggest heathen on earth. What God's doing, he's applied some heat to your situation. Some impurities have come to the top so he can lift them off. Because until they're at the top, you can't see them and you don't know they're there. But once they come up, they're not there to go, okay, well, look at that. How bad are those impurities? Let's leave them there or let's feel really bad about them. No, they come to the surface so God can just go, you know what, let's take that one off you right now. And that's the sort of thing. And then, you know, there's a, there's a psalm that talks about that in Proverbs, uh, sorry, a proverb that says uh, in Proverbs 25, verse 4, remove the dross from the silver 
and a silversmith can produce a vessel. You know, when God takes this stuff from your life, if you allow him to take this from your life, then what he's left with is a vessel that he can produce that can do mighty things for him. That is what God is doing in these situations. He's just going, oh, that's come to the surface. Let's get rid of that. So he's left with something pure. And so, you know, I think Saul should have done that. He, he, he condoned it. He going, you know, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm justified in my reaction. I'm good with being like this. And it led to a downhill spiral. We're not there to condemn ourselves or condone what we're doing. We're there to bring, they happen to bring change into our world. So the first thing we need to do is to humble ourselves and choose transformation. Now I'm going to get really practical with you if that's okay. Um, Second thing you need to do is find the key. I hope I'm making sense here this morning. I'll do my best. You can ask questions afterwards if not, or maybe even now, that's fine. Um, find the key, you need to find the key that will unlock that transformation. That key that will unlock the transformation on the inside of your heart is a particular... I, this is my experience, right? There's, I'm sure there's other ways of doing this. This is my experience. That particular thing that will unlock the transformation on the inside is a revelation from God. It's a revelation from God. A revelation, revelation means to enlighten. Like, it's like to reveal. It's like, a, you know, if all these guys were here and there was a curtain, it's like lifting the curtain on something that's already there. And you're like, wow, I didn't even know that was there. It's like that light bulb moment when in old cartoons, you know, when the, the person got a, the character got a good idea and a light bulb came on and they go, oh man, I should do that. That's what revelation is. It's a thing that goes, there's a light bulb that comes on over your head that you go, man, that's the truth that I needed to know so I don't have to continue responding in that way. That's the thing that's going to shift my heart uh, on the inside. It's like when you go to the doctor and, uh, you know, you don't sit at home, diagnose yourself and go treat yourself. That's why we have doctors for you. You don't necessarily know what is wrong. But what you do know is the symptom that's going on on the inside. Is that right? So you go to the doctor and you say, Doc, I've got fevers. I've got diarrhea. I'm not hard. I've lost my appetite. It's all bad. And he goes, ah, so you went to Fiji recently? And yeah, I did. And yeah, you know, it looks like you've got some bacteria. And, um, and we'll do some tests. But either way, take these antibiotics. This happened to me. Uh, take those antibiotics and whatever it is, that'll sort it out anyway. So he goes, these are the symptoms. This is for those symptoms. This is the thing that you need that is going to cure the source of what's wrong there. Um, let me give you an example of a spiritual illness. I wonder doctors in the house, spiritual doctors in the house this morning, if you can get ready for a diagnosis. I'm going to read you some symptoms. I want you to tell me what the condition might be. So, um, so I come to you and say, hey, I'm extremely sensitive to the opinions of other people. Uh, I'm critical and judgmental of other people. I'm self-conscious about my appearance, performance or status. Um, I view others as competition to beat, not friends to enjoy. I'm striving to become somebody or something that I, um, rather than enjoying who I am. Um, I'm using anger as a defense from being hurt. Uh, I'm carrying an attitude like I've got a chip on my shoulder, you know. I'm just like, you know, just angry all the time. I'm defensive in my behavior and in my conversations. What would you say would be the problem that I'm facing? Insecurity, fantastic. Yes. Self-image, top marks to you, you passed. Um, this was the very thing that Saul was facing. He, he was, you know, he tried to kill David. He's like, you know, someone's rising up above him. He was being competitive. Instead of going, David, I believe in you. You're going to be the greatest king of what you know, Israel's ever seen. You're going to be the best. 
Uh, I'm going to be the spiritual father of the greatest king that Israel's ever seen. I'm going to believe in you. I want you to do better than what I'm doing. I tried to crush him, tried to kill him. He was comparing himself. He was always about the opinions of man. If Saul had have gone to, to God, the, the great physician, and said, God, I'm sort of feeling these things. I don't know what's going on. Uh, can you tell me what's wrong? And then I think that God would have said to him, hey, man, like, you, got to, you need a bit of work on your self-image there, man. You, you've got a bit of insecurity. And if you can just learn that your value and your worth comes from me and not from the opinions of other people, and you can base yourself off that, then that's going to transform your actions in your world. It's going to transform your relationships. It's going to transform your view of yourself. It's going to transform your, your, how you relate to others. It's going to revolutionize your world. Uh, and so you need to identify the, that, the thing that is going to unlock that. So whatever, if you're you know, struggling, you think God's angry with you, 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 know, you, you can't approach him, you think he's down on you, and, you, you, and he's gonna, if you come before him, then he's going to tell you what's wrong with you. And you need a good dose of the revelation of righteousness in your world. You need to know that you are right in his eyes, not by your own works, but by the blood of Jesus. Um, and thirdly, so, so, you've, so once you've got to the point, you've humbled yourself and you've gone, God, I need to change, something's not right. Then you've gone, God, what is the key that's going to unlock it? Then you need to pursue that revelation until it gets from your head and to your heart. At that moment, you might go, okay, well, I need to know. You might even go, okay, Saul might have said, well, I've reacted in that way. I need to work on my self-image so that the opinions of people don't matter. I know that my value should come from God in my head, but I don't get it on the, in my heart. That's the, when, the, when it's in your heart and you get it and you know it, like the love of God, we can tell people that God loves them until that we're blue in the face and they can get it up there and it won't have any influence on their life. But once a revelation of that comes and it shifts from their head down into their heart, it'll change their world. That's revelation. The moment that it's in your heart that you go, I know that, I've got that, I'm so uh, convinced of that truth and that revelation in my world that it's transformed my life. That's the point that we need to get to, and this is how you can do it. Firstly, if I was, if I was date, let's, uh, Saul, let's use the example of Saul again. Um, Saul could study the Word of God and get every scripture that he can find about insecurity and, and value and self-worth, and he can just read it, meditate on it, study it. Let me read you a few that he could have used. Um, you can read along with me. Psalm 139, 14, 17 to 18. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. How precious are you, uh, to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, uh, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Um, we can get the keyboard as well. Uh, God thinks the world of you. You go, oh man, God thinks the world of me. The, the thoughts that God has towards me are... Uh, are so vast and incredible and I'm fearfully made. Man, there must be something good about me after all. Uh, Matthew twenty two thirty nine, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We need to love ourselves. It's, bibli- it's biblical to love ourselves. Saul, you need to love yourself, man. It's not, you know, it's not pretentious. It's not, you know, you know, prideful to have a good opinion of yourself. The Bible says not to have an overinflated opinion of yourself, but it does say to have a good one and an accurate one of you. Matthew 6, uh, 25 to 27. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? You have value. 
Not by what you do, not by what people think of you or say of you, but you have value because you were created by God and in His image. Ephesians 1.6, To the praise of the glory of His grace by which He had made us accepted in the beloved. You are accepted by God. Maybe your parents don't accept your soul. Maybe your friends haven't accepted you, but you are accepted in the beloved. Uh, Numbers 13.33, we saw the uh, Nephilim there. The center, yep, cool. We seemed, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. You're going to say, Saul, guess what? It doesn't matter what other people see you as. If you see yourself as someone that can do it, and I see you as that, then you can take that promised land. You'll see, Saul, you'll see that, that this is something that uh, you don't need to worry about. The opinions of others will not stop you from fulfilling the call of God on your life. It will not stop you from having all the fruitfulness that God has called for you. See yourself as more than a grasshopper. Genesis 9, 6. Whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. The only thing I'm pointing out of that is that God in those initial days had such a high value on the life of mankind just because they were made in his image. Saul, can you get that? Um, John 12, 42 to 43. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise from God. Listen, Saul, listening to the opinions of people is going to stop you from walking in all that God has for you. If you're worried about what they say, you're not listening to what I say. And what I say is the final word. Listen to what I say, the praise from God, the affirmation from God, not the affirmation from man. So we need to get the Word of God, the transforming power of the Word of God into our lives. Secondly, we need to, um, he could have included uh, this sort of stuff in his prayer life. Um, Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. James 4, 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask God. You need to cry out to God for this revelation in your world. You say, God, what is it that I need? What do I need to know? God, give it to me. Open the eyes of my heart that I may know you more. God, shift this. Let the light bulb come on. Let it get deep down into the inside. Or maybe in your prayer, you can, he could have um, created some declarations over his life that he can speak because there's power in his words. And he could have spoken over his life, I am secure in Christ. I have value because I'm created by God and made in his image. I don't need to compare myself to anyone else. My call is not a competition. I'm fully accepted by God. His love is all sufficient. It doesn't matter what people think of me. I am what I am. I have what it takes. The only affirmation I need comes from God. My gifts are unique and adequate. And he's speaking these things over his life until it sinks in. Go on, Saul, you're good. You're made in the image of Christ. The creator of the universe made you fearfully and wonderfully. Um, That's another thing that he could have done. Another thing that he could do is read a whole bunch of good books on that topic. He could have read, uh, if he was here today, would have been good. Hey, Saul, uh, anyway, wherever you are. Um, Approval Addiction. Approval Addiction by Joyce Meyer. Uh, the Root of Rejection, Joyce Meyer. If you don't like Joyce, Joyce Meyer, too bad, but she's really good at this stuff. Um, his Image, My Image, Josh McDowell. Fantastic on self-image. Uh, Larry Crabb, Inside Out. Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. You'd have to be careful because God's not probably the center of that one. But there's some good principles anyway um, he would have found out. So, you know, you can do that. And we can have the whole band up. And the other thing is he could have spent time with uh, the right people. It's so important the type of people that you spend time around that can help you in this journey. Um, People who have gained victory in this area that you're struggling with. You know, people who have, who have victory in that. You can watch them, observe them, talk to them. How did you do it? You know, observe how they react. 
Um, he should have hung around people that would encourage him in his uniqueness, not try and you know tear him down but say, Saul, you're amazing. You know, I'm so thankful I've had people in my world that have said, Garth, I believe in you before I believe in myself. Garth, you can do it. You're this, you're that. You can do this. You can overcome. You can have the victory. You're, you know, you've got what it takes. You should hang around people like that, not people that go, oh, you can't do that. You're nothing. You, you never amount to anything. You're this and that. Um, people that accept him, not reject him, you know, based on who he is. People that just go, you know, yeah, we're different. We're this, we're that. People that just go, you know what? I love you anyway, man. And, and we're going to see you, you know, hit all that God has for you. And so, and that's what I wanted to share this morning. So I wonder if we can stand up. And, um, you know, this, you may be in a state where you're perfect. That's fine. Just stick with what Pastor Phil's been saying about going the, the daily, you know, get the word into you, get the prayer life. But I, I truly feel that, except for those fathers in the room that maybe have more victory in all these areas and you've done the journey with God, that most Christians are either in the child state or the young, a young person state. But unfortunately, I think more people are in the child state than anywhere else. Because why? It takes strength. It takes courage. It takes the word of God. It takes victory. It takes a spirit of faith on the inside that says, I can overcome this. I can do this. God is all sufficient. He's all powerful. If he is for me, who can be against me? Same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. Tell you what, the, the word of God says that you have what it takes with him to gain every bit of victory, every bit of breakthrough that you have. It's not a race. It's not to make you feel bad about yourself. It's not so you can be all, woe is me, I'm so sinful. No, it's to take the ruins in your world and make them live again, to bring them to life, to bring transformation into those areas so you can continue to grow. So I wonder if we can all close our eyes here this morning. And uh, I think we're good, but I just want to make sure that everyone in here has had a chance to acknowledge Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Because I tell you what, you can try and get your transformation from anything outside of God, but I guarantee you it will only get you so far. If you provide, even if you get your sense of security from, you know, just you or life, then everything falls short of God. God is your, uh, your, your thing, your person, your, your power source that is going to see transformation come. So if you're in here this morning and you haven't had a chance to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to just lift your hand up right now. If you haven't made that decision, if you, if you haven't made that decision, if you're there going, oh, you know, I've wanted to or I'm scared or I don't know, let me tell you that Jesus Christ died so that the power of God can live on the inside of you so that he can create you into an incredible person, fulfilling the call of God on your life, doing, living an adventure that you never thought was possible. I wonder if that's you. If you can just lift your hand up, I just want to see it nice and quickly. And otherwise, we're out of time. I want to pray for everyone. But is there anyone else here? Is there anyone here this morning that just needs to acknowledge Jesus? The Bible says if you acknowledge Jesus before men, then He'll acknowledge you before the Father. I want to make sure that you're here this morning. You've got had every chance that you can. That you've had the opportunity. That you're connected with God. That you're connected to His love. You're connected to the Spirit of God. You're connected. Your sins are forgiven. Let's just get into the first step. Become a child of God. Born again born again, knowing your sins are forgiven, that you have a relationship with Him through Christ. Is there anyone here this morning? Is there anyone here this morning? Cool. Well, uh, you know, if you want to respond, I just want to pray to anyone that, for anyone right where you are that wants to respond to that message this morning. Maybe you have had some reactions in the past and you've ignored them. Or maybe you uh, are experiencing something right now 
and you need God to shift something on the inside. First step is to humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself and choose transformation. Say, God, God, I'm going to go on this journey. God, I yield myself. God, I surrender myself. God, I surrender my heart to you. God, I want you to have your way. God, I want to overcome. I want to be a young man or a young woman. I want to overcome. I want to have the power of the Word of God on the inside. I want to be strong and courageous. I wonder if that's you. I just want you to lift your hands right where you are. I'm going to believe for the power of God to touch your life, take you on a mighty journey. And even if you want to just be aware for, for in the future, if you want a greater awareness of stuff that's on the inside that might not be good signs of something going on on the inside, if you just want to be aware of God and say, God, I want you to, I want to be the person you call me to be. I want it. I want to grow. God, I want to stay as I am. I don't want to be the same. I don't want to get stuck. I don't want to go around the same mountain year after year. God, I want to be transformed. I need to be made anew. God, I know I'm declared righteous, but now I need to be recreated that way. God, for every hand lifted up right now. I wonder if Julie, just for a few minutes, just softly, if we can just sing that uh, Glorious Ruins, just for a few minutes. Just let, just let the Holy Spirit just touch your life. If you're feeling any condemnation right now, that is not a God. Just open your heart. Say in your own words, Jesus, Jesus. God, we thank you. Holy Spirit, God, you come right now. God, you touch every heart. God, we offer our hearts to you. God, we surrender to you. God, we yield to you, God. God, we humble ourselves. God, we offer our hearts. God, we offer our hearts. God, would you find people here in this room? God, that will have victory. God, that will be strong and courageous. God, that will live for Jesus. God, that will overcome the devil. God, right now, God, I declare people in this room, overcomers. God, we bind the devil off every life. God, we stand for our life right now, for our loved ones. We say the devil will not have his way. We will overcome. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. God, if you are for us, who can be against us? God, with you, man, it is impossible, but with you, God, all things are possible. God, we surrender. God, you're taking ruins. God, bringing them to life. God, you're taking those areas that are dead, that are, that are wasted, that are wastelands. God, you're bringing life upon them. God, everything that the devil had to bow, God, we declare freedom in the name of Jesus right now. God, every captivity that the devil would try and keep his people in, every slavery, every bondage. Right now, we proclaim freedom from the captives. God, release for the prisons. God, we declare blind eyes open. God, the sick heal. God, the insecure secure. God, the condemned righteous. God, we speak God's word over every life right now. God, we declare your word as true. As the yardstick, we declare you, God, all-powerful, all-sufficient. God, we declare you as in control. We declare you as big. We trust you. We trust you with our lives, God. God, I pray you touch every life. God, let's just lift that up for a few more minutes. Let's continue. listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.